You are listening to the Pursuit Church Essay Podcast. We are a group of imperfect, real people on a mission to pursue God and love people. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. I had to do a little student teaching stunt before I could, you know, finish my studies and be a teacher. So I took a student teaching internship, internship, unpaid, at a school in Houston in a neighborhood called Acres Homes. Now, if anybody knows about Houston, they know that the 4-4, as it's called, is kind of a little rough part of town if you're not from there, right? So um, I took this teaching position at um, a, a little elementary school in Acres Homes, and I remember like the first week that I started, the mentor teacher that I was working with told me, okay, there's this girl, and you just need to know she's a little hard. She's a little rough around the edges, so you need to be firm with her, and you need to, don't let her get away with anything. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. Why would she say that about a little child? And I, then I started kind of getting a little nervous, like, okay, I'm in the fo-fo. What is this going to be about, right? And so I thought, okay, well. But she said something that didn't sit right with me. She said, you need to be hard on her. You need to come down on her. And I thought, that's not me. That's not my personality. Now, it might be with my own kids, but with somebody else's child, I'm not going to come down hard on them. So I started thinking about it. And as I watched this girl, I could see that she wasn't a very happy girl. She wasn't very happy. And I could see that someday she would wear the same clothes that she had on the day before. And knowing what I know about Houston, that's my hometown. I know every inch of that place. And knowing what I knew about Acres Homes, and, and actually here's a little sidebar that I just remembered right now. My mom was a counselor at the high school in Acres Homes. So I knew the neighborhood. And I thought, well, maybe she just has a really hard home life, right? So I wanted to give her some grace. And, you know, when I, every time I would talk to her, I would get, you know, she would just spew venom back at me. She had an attitude. She would be smart mouth. She'd stir the other kids up to not listen and kind of act up. And I just kept speaking to her and calling her by her name, speaking hope into her, you know, telling her how, hey, you know, you're going to have a great day today. It's going to be a good day. And then she'd say something nasty, and I'd say, yeah, but it's going to be a great day. Watch. You just watch. And this went on for a long time, right? And finally, I could see her hard shell start to crack. And she would like, at one point, all she would call me is Miss White Lady. That was my name, <laughs> Miss White Lady. And I'm going to give her some grace and think, well, maybe she couldn't say Sustaita because that was kind of a hard name to say, but that was my name to her. And I, okay, that's, that's good, that's good. But finally, I remember she started to talk to me more or she would be less ugly to me and she'd be more well-behaved. So I started helping her with her lessons because I could tell she wasn't getting help at home with her homework. So I'd help her with her lessons, chit-chat with her, get to know her a little bit better. And over the course of time, that girl and I became kindred spirits. She warmed up to me. And I know that it's because I showed her just love, basic human love. Just, I just loved on that little girl because I could tell at home she wasn't getting it. And that's why I wanted to come today and talk to you about the endless love of God. But before I start, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much, and we come to you right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And I surrender to you, Lord, my mind, my will, my emotions. I surrender my vocal cords, the very breath in my lungs, because it came from you, God. And I ask you, Holy Father, to speak through me. Push me out of the way and let me speak only what you would have me speak. And I pray, God, 
that these words change us all from the inside out in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So if you brought your Bibles today, turn to the book of Jonah. If you don't mind, please turn to the book of Jonah. It's about eight books in from where Matthew starts in the New Testament. Jonah is one of the last few books of the Old Testament. And if you didn't bring your Bible, bring your Bible. It's important. It's a sword. It's a weapon. It's what we have to use to fight the lies of the enemy that we hear every single day. So bring it with you, paper version, electronic version, just bring it with you. Anyway, so in the book of Jonah, I want to give you a little bit of backstory first. Jonah was an Old Testament prophet. And what set Jonah apart from the other prophets like Daniel, Hosea, Isaiah, Jeremiah, all of them, what set Jonah apart is that he was the only the only Old Testament prophet that God sent to the Gentiles, to the Ninevites, to preach a message of repentance. Now, that's significant. God would send other prophets to tell them, I'm going to do this and y'all going to die because of what you did to the Israelites. But no, Jonah was the only one that was sent to preach a message of hope to the Gentiles. And just so you can get a little clarity here, Gentiles were the people who didn't worship God. They were the Israelites. They were not his chosen people, kind of like us. Unless you're Jewish, Hebrew, you're a Gentile. And God wanted Jonah to speak to these people to tell them about his goodness and his mercy so that they would repent. So let's read Jonah chapter 1. We're going to start there, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. That's funny, like we could ever run away from God. Anyway, Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So Jonah, like I said, he'd been prophesying for God for many years, and he honestly didn't have a problem that much preaching or teaching or prophesying to the Israelites because they were his own people, right? They knew God. They had somewhat of a reverent fear of God, so it wasn't that troublesome for him to speak to his people. But God told Jonah to speak a message of repentance to the Ninevites, And Jonah didn't want to go. And he literally, he literally tried to run away from God. How are you going to run away from God? God is everywhere. But you know what? Aren't we like that too? Think about it. Think about it. We come up with all kinds of excuses and all kinds of things to get out of doing what God tells us to do. Don't we do that? I'll give you an example. God says, gather in his house Do it all the time. Get together, bond, make a community, get to know each other, love each other, pray for each other, worship me, come into my house. But what do we do? We take off instead, go to the beach, go to the mountains. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we we don't all deserve a vacation, but how many times are people be vacating every Sunday? I mean, Jonah didn't want to obey God, so he tried to run from him. Now, you know, I don't want to be too hard on Jonah because, I mean, he did have legitimate reasons, right? I mean, 
how would he want to, why would he want to go to Nineveh, to the Ninevites? Well, let me tell you, first he was afraid of them. The Ninevites were part of Assyria, and Assyria was a nation notorious for war. They wanted to conquer the world. And not only that, the Ninevites were bloodthirsty and ruthless people. They had mercilessly seized Jerusalem, killed everybody off. I mean, they were, they were bad. They were evil. And these people were a serious threat to the security and the peace of the Israelites. So Jonah wanted nothing to do with them. And he sure didn't want to go down there or go over there and tell them, you better turn to God or else. He didn't want to do that. He was afraid, rightfully so. But the other reason he didn't want to go, and this is significant, the other reason he didn't want to go is that Jonah knew that God was up to something. Jonah knew God. Remember, God had been speaking to him for a long time. Jonah knew God's character. And he didn't want to preach to the Ninevites because what if they listened and turned to God? And if the Ninevites repented, Jonah knew that God would forgive them and not punish them. And guess what? Jonah wanted them punished. They had been evil. They had hurt. They had stolen. He wanted them punished. But let me ask you this. How many times have we, me, we, had a hard time praying for someone, much less sharing the love of Jesus with them because you didn't like them, because they had hurt you. Maybe they lied about you, caused you to lose some friends, messed up your reputation. Or maybe, maybe they got the promotion that you deserved in your mind. You worked hard, you did everything right, they did some sketchy stuff over here, and they're the ones that got promoted. And the last thing you want to do is forgive them or pray for them, or even dare to try to bring them to Jesus. Well, that was Jonah. He didn't want to tell these people about God. But here's the deal, and this is my first point. Expect that God will ask you to do some things that you don't want to do. He will, I promise you. (laughs) And you know why? It's because God wants to use you to spread his love in a hurting, broken world. That's a big deal. And you know, I kind of, when I was writing the message, I started thinking, why do we always think it's going to be easy when God asks us to do something? Oh, it's going to be what I've always dreamed of. It's going to be great. No, it might not be. It just might not be. God was asking Jonah to do something that he didn't want to do but it mattered. It mattered. And it mattered because God loves everyone. He loves you, but he loves your enemies too. It mattered what God wanted Jonah to do. And up to this point in history, God had already defined, clearly defined his chosen people, his children to be the Israelites. Those were the people that he was going to bless But at the same time, remember, from the beginning of time, God created humanity. Every person he ever created to be in a relationship with him. That was the point. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. And the Ninevites were pagans. In today's language, it would be like they didn't know God. They weren't saved. They were lost. That was the Ninevites. And God wanted Jonah to go to them to preach a message of hope and repentance. 
basically, he wanted Jonah to evangelize a group of people that could have very well killed him. And who Jonah didn't even like because of all the evil they had done. So why did God do that? Why does he do that? Because he wanted the Gentiles, the non-Jews, not the Hebrews, people like us who weren't born Hebrew. He wanted them to know him. He wanted them, us, to be part of his family. Nothing has changed since the beginning of creation. It's still the same. God wants us as his children. And that's why he will ask us to do things that we don't want to do or things that we don't think we can do. But remember this about God. If you're taking notes, this is one you might want to write down. God calls the unqualified, and then he qualifies us as we go. We don't have to be perfect. I hear it a lot of times. People say, I can't go to church right now. I'm just not right. No, that's not the way it works. You come as you are. You don't have to get cleaned up first. Come as you are, faults and all. God loves you no matter what. It doesn't matter what you did last night. don't matter what you did this morning. It doesn't matter what you said on your way into church. It doesn't matter. God says, come, come, because he has a purpose for us. Amen. Jonah had a heart that was full of unforgiveness and hate, but God wanted to use him anyway to save an entire city. Nineveh was a huge metropolis. That's a lot of people that hated him, and he hated but when God tells us to do something, y'all, all we have to do is go. And then, and then God gives us what we need. He qualifies us. All we have to do is trust him and obey. But, but when we don't obey, there is a cost. And that's my second point. When we get out of the will of God, it will cost us something. If you go back and look at verse 3, it says, Jonah ran away from the Lord and he went down to Joppa, looking for a ship to get on. And he had to pay the fare to get on that boat. Jonah didn't want to obey God. He got out God's will, and it cost him. And this verse tells us that he went down to Joppa. That is significant because when we are outside of the will of God, it will always bring us to some really low places. We will find ourselves compromising, scheming, doing all kinds of things to avoid obeying God because why we want our way. And most of the time, a lot of the times, our way is disobedient to God. But when we stay in the will of God, which is what he wants us to do, that's his will. The will of God is this. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, For the will of God is your sanctification. Sanctification is just a churchy word that means follow God, listen to his teachings, learn from him, and grow in your life more and more like Jesus. That's sanctification. That's God's will for all of us. It's real simple. And when we stay in the will of God, we're safe. We're cared for. We're protected. We have everything we need. And you don't have to believe me. Philippians 4.19 says, My God will supply all your needs according to his riches. His riches. And otherwhere in Scripture, it says, God owns a cattle in a thousand hills. That means it's all his. It's all his. 
And when we stay obedient to him, he takes care of us according to his riches, everything. He will make sure we have everything we need. But when we do like Jonah and we get out of the will of God, that's going to take us to some pretty low places. And maybe even like Jonah, it may cost us financially. Think about that for a minute. When you've been outside of the will of God or you've been disobedient, has it ever cost you financially, like real-time money? Think about it. This verse tells us that Jonah paid the fare to go to a ship that was going in the absolute opposite direction of where God told him to, do, to go. And there is a price to disobedience to God. And, you know, we might not feel it right away, but there's always going to be a price to pay for rejecting God or from running from him. But here's the good news. I always got good news. I'm going to talk about bad news. Here's the good news. God has mercy and forgiveness when we turn around and run back to him. All he wants is a relationship with us. So he's going to give us, y'all, he's going to give us chance after chance after chance to come back. As long as we have breath in our lungs, God has another chance for us. Not too far. You haven't gone too far. You haven't gotten too low that God can't bring you back up. And this brings me to my next point. God may send a storm, so do not rebuke them all. People say, oh, I'm in a storm. I rebuke this storm. Don't rebuke every storm. You better pay attention to that storm. Look around. If you read from verse 4, it says, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone down below where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Running from God is exhausting, y'all. At some point, you get tired of running. You just get tired. Jonah had traveled a long while to get to a port, and then he wandered around looking for a ship that was going in the opposite direction of where he was supposed to go. And after all that running around, searching, looking, scheming, planning, he was exhausted. So he went down, there's that word again, down to the bottom of the ship. That's significant. It's in that, that chapter twice. It's significant. It's almost like Jonah is free-falling, disobedient to God, running from God, and now he's free-falling. He goes down to the bottom of the ship. Now, that was a really nasty place to be, y'all. The bottom of the ship is where the rats were. The bottom of the ship was where the stinky trash was. Whatever cargo they were carrying was there. Anything, any kind of fish they caught, that stuff was in the bottom of the ship. And not only that, it was damp down there and musty. So Jonah is absolutely not where he's supposed to be. And he's in a low, disgusting place. And he had to pay to get there. <laughs> he had to pay. It cost him financially to get there. And then if that's not enough, he gets caught in a storm, right? But despite all of that, he is so exhausted from running away from God that he falls into a deep sleep. Now let's keep reading in verse six. The captain said to him, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. 
And then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us who's responsible for making all this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What's your country? From what people are you? They were terrified. Everybody was terrified except Jonah. He was asleep. And you know what? Everyone wanted to be saved except Jonah. He was asleep. The captain told Jonah to pray to his God. And the sailors, if you notice, were praying to all kinds of gods. Little G, little G gods. They even started rolling the dice doing all kinds of stupid stuff, rolling the dice, drawing stars, drawing straws, casting lots. That's what that means. When you're casting lots, you're basically rolling the dice, trying to figure out why this was happening. It's because they were superstitious people. They were looking for an answer from somewhere, anywhere, to why this was happening to them. But you know what? I'm going to ask you again, how many times have we done stuff like that? Looking for an answer to why something's happening or what's going to happen by horoscopes, fortune tellers, healers, all kinds of things, even relationships. We're looking for an answer. So we go from relationship to relationship to relationship. This one doesn't work. Let me go over there. Let me try that. Let me do this. Maybe alcohol, drugs. We're looking for something that can only be found in God, the one true God. That's what these sailors were doing. And they were trying to figure out what caused the storm. But they finally figured out that Jonah was the common denominator. He was the thing that was different. And I want to say this. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are set apart by God. That is what the scripture says. You are set apart. The moment you give your life to Jesus and you ask him to take over, that sets you apart. We are different. You are not like everyone else. And you know what? Evil knows it. Evil knows it. The demons know it. You have a target on your back. And thank God for God. He saves us. He protects us. He provides us everything we need when we obey him. But believers are set apart. We're different. And these sailors could feel it on Jonah. They knew there's something not like us in this man. And again, I'm not talking about physical appearance. This is God over you. Evil sees the blood of Jesus over you. They don't see you. They see the blood of Jesus covering you and protecting you. Jonah was set apart. And then finally, Jonah speaks up. In verse 9, he says, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord. He didn't say the Lord's. He said the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. In other words, he's telling them, the one true creator of it all is the God I serve. And this terrified him. It terrified the sailors, and they said, what have you done? He said, just pick me up, throw me in the sea, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. These sailors had a God for everything. And they believed that their pagan gods would take care of them, but also would punish them. So they realized, or when they realized that Jonah wasn't like them, they asked him, what in the world can we do to make this all go away? Jonah says, just throw me in the sea. But before he did that, he told him about his God. He told him about the one true God. 
Jonah knew why this was happening, and he knew that he had been disobedient to God. But what Jonah didn't know is that God always has a bigger plan. And it wasn't just about Jonah. So if we pick up at verse 13, it says, Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they couldn't. For now, the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. They acknowledged the sovereignty of God, the one true God in that statement right there. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to God and made vows to him. That's a, that's a long way to say they realized who God is and they gave their lives up to him. They swore to him they would follow him. The reason that God sent Jonah to Nineveh was to preach repentance and salvation through believing in the one true God. But check this out. In spite of Jonah, in spite of himself, in spite of his disobedience, God was going to still accomplish his purpose. These pagan sailors, these unbelievers, came to believe in the one true God, Yahweh, the one true God, despite Jonah. There is nothing at all, no thing that any of us can do to outrun God's plans for our lives. And I want you to see this. Jonah wasn't the only one in the storm. These men were there too, right? So they personally saw God's power and his mercy for themselves. Remember, Jonah had told them that the Lord, the one true God, is the one who brought the storm. And then they saw themselves how he calmed the storm after they threw Jonah out of the boat. When all that happened, they experienced God for themselves. It wasn't about Jonah, y'all. He was in the ocean. He was in the ocean. They were the ones that God saved. God saved them. That led them to believe in God and his sovereignty, and they gave their lives to him. They worshiped him. They offered sacrifices. They made vows. That's what happened as a result of them going through the storm. So we shouldn't rebuke every storm we face because sometimes, sometimes the storm isn't about us. When we disobey God, yeah, he may very well send a storm to draw us into him. But that storm we're in could be exactly what God is going to use to draw those around us into him. God may send a storm, so don't be rebuking them all. And this takes me to my last point. What you dread the most may be exactly what you need. Jonah dreaded going to Nineveh. And he disobeyed God and he ran away. God sent a storm. And in the storm, a bunch of pagan non-believers were saved and came to God. So here you got Jonah out there flailing in the ocean. God saved the sailors. But Jonah, he's flailing around the ocean. 
He's, try, he's probably trying to drown. Can you imagine being stuck in an ocean? We were on a cruise a while back and I was sitting there watching the waves and I was like, wow, this ocean is so vast. And I'm a swimmer. I've always been a swimmer. But I got a moment of kind of trepidation, a little, uh, when I looked at the waves thinking, man, could I, could I make it in this ocean? But think about it. People fall overboard and they don't come out of that. They might've got bit by a shark and ate. You know, maybe they died of, of dehydration. I mean, he's in a lot of peril out there in the ocean. So guess what God does? He sends a giant fish to swallow him up. Now pay attention to that. He wasn't food for the fish. The fish didn't chew him up and then swallow him. He just swallowed him because God sent a fish to save Jonah. And he did it in a really unusual way, but he did that because it gave Jonah a chance to get his mind right. Jonah was afraid of the Ninevites for sure, but the bigger issue is that Jonah didn't want God to save them. He wanted God to punish them, punish them for all the things they had done against Jonah and against his people. And the issue was Jonah's character. God wanted to do some work in Jonah. But Jonah also knew God's character, and he knew that God loves and wants to save us all. The message that God gave Jonah was to tell these people to repent and turn to God and God would save them. And then verse 17 says that Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights. And then, then he finally decided to pray to God. That's wild, y'all. He's sitting there, sitting in a whale or a giant fish's guts. He's sitting there in all this stinky, gross, slimy stuff. Can you imagine what was in the belly of that whale? Like chewed up fish, half chewed up fish. The Lord even knows what was in it. And Jonah's just sitting in there, mad, attitude, full of himself, refusing to call out to the one he knew would save him. He just saw it happen with the sailors. He was so full of himself, his pride, his anger, his unforgiveness, that he would rather sit in garbage than let God save him and do what God told him to do. Jonah had already been brought low once, y'all. Remember, he was down in the bottom of the fish with the rats. And here he is again in another stinky, disgusting situation. And he would rather hold on to hurt unforgiveness, anger. He would rather play the victim. Poor me. Look what they did to me than to reach out to God who would save him. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? I have. I have. And you know what I mean? You've been obedient. You've been serving God. You've been serving others. You've been doing all the right things. And now God is asking you to let go of that anger, let go of that hurt, let go of that unforgiveness, but you won't do it. I've been there. And that was Jonah. He felt entitled to be upset. He had done his best all those years to serve God. I bet you that was was what he was sitting there thinking. I've done all this to serve you, Lord. I've always been obedient to you. But this one thing that God was asking him to do was just too much. God was asking him to do something, and Jonah was not going to do it this time. But we do that. We do that. But there's something amazing about God. His love for us is so endless. He pursues us. In the book of Genesis, we read that God is pursuing Adam when he says, Adam, where are you? 
Psalm 139, 7 through 8. Now, this is King David writing this. He had just gone through all kinds of drama, and King David is telling God, where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. In Jonah 2, 2, it describes the belly of the whale as Sheol. It's basically another word for hell. Jonah knew what King David knew. God loved him and was still with him despite his disobedience. And guess what? The same thing is true for you and for me. God's love is endless, and God loves you no matter what. No matter what. Jonah finally cried out to God, and when he did, God's love and mercy, it saved him. It saved him. Jonah ended up going to Nineveh. And the people, they turned from their evil ways and they followed God. End of story, right? No. It's not the end of the story. Jonah got mad. He got mad because they did what God told them to do. And he gave them another chance. God gave them another chance. That sounds really familiar to me. And I don't know about y'all, but I've been there exactly where Jonah was. I've reached out to God and he saved me. And then I get hurt by something. And then what? What happens when you get hurt by God? You know he's good. You know he saves you. You know he's there. But when you get hurt, what do you do? You either turn away from God. I've seen so many godly people sold out for Jesus who have turned away from God because of a hurt. That person that hurt you, that's not God. That's that person. That's that flawed, messed up person, just messed up like we all are, that hurt you. It wasn't God. Or, or maybe we turn from God. We don't turn our backs on him. We just turn away from him because we're so upset that he forgave the very people who hurt us. And we just wanted them punished. Think about that. Jonah was messed up because God did what he said he would do. And he saved these people in Nineveh. So God had to have a little conversation with Jonah. And he told Jonah what he's telling us today. His love is endless. God loves us all. He forgives every sin when we repent and trust in him. I don't know what happened to Jonah after that conversation with God. The scripture doesn't really tell us. And actually, there's not even a lot of commentaries on it. But the story of Jonah tells us one thing for sure, and that's God loves you and he hasn't given up on you. God will ask you to do some things that you don't want to do. He's going to ask you to repent. He's going to ask you to turn away from that life you've been living so far from him. He's going to ask you to do that. Turn away from whatever you got going on that is in disobedience to God. And when we disobey God, it's going to cost us something. But let me ask you this. Aren't you tired of running? Are you tired of running? Has the price gotten just a little bit too high? You can't pay it anymore. But let me tell you this. There's someone who paid it all, and his name is Jesus Christ. He paid it all. He paid the debt you owed. You don't have to pay anymore. God loves you, and you haven't gone too far. He knows exactly where you are, and he knows how to find you. All we got to do is turn around and trust Jesus. Come to Jesus.
And God may very well send a storm into your life. So we can't rebuke them all. The storm you're in may not be to hurt you, but to save you. Turn to God and let him lead you through it. Put your eyes on Jesus. Peter did that and he walked on the water. That storm is not to hurt you, maybe. Maybe it's to save you. And if you're afraid and what you dread the most, that may be exactly what you need. You may think that letting go of your past or your hurt, your anger, your unforgiveness, throwing away that victim card, you may think that you can't give it up. You may dread or even be afraid of leaving that lifestyle that is so far from God. You may be afraid of letting that go because you're so used to it. But friend, giving up some of those things is exactly what you need so that God can save you and turn your life around. If you would, would you just please bow your heads and close your eyes for a minute. I want to honor this holy moment because God is here and he's speaking to all of us. And if you're ready to stop running, if the storms have gotten so big and you're drowning, if unforgiveness is eating you up inside and you're tired of the anger and you're ready to just lay it all on the table, if you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus and let him be your Lord and your Savior, all you have to do is pray a simple prayer after me. And you know, for those of you who have already asked Jesus into your heart, I would ask you to just pray this prayer with us, just in support of those who are making a decision today to turn to God. Just pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord, dear God, I repent of my sin. I ask you to forgive me. Wash me clean. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. If God is transforming your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give at PursuitChurchSA.com give. Thank you for listening and remember to follow us to enjoy more messages like this.